Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and I'm, as always, looking for my good buddy, Seth Robinson. Seth, you out there? Hello. How are hey. you doing? I am doing well, thank you very much. I'm enjoying what feels like almost winter weather because it's in the 60s today here in New Hampshire, and it's been in the 90s for the week prior. So it's a relief. It's really kind of nice to wear long sleeves for a change. It feels like it's been a long time since we talked because we recorded that previous one early. That's um, true. And then That's we posted it. So it feels like it's been a long time. But good to be back on volley here. Yeah, that's true. We uh, we got rid of our kids yeah. uh, off of college, so I, I, yeah, you're right. We did record that one early. Yeah, so both the, both the girls are off now. My my daughter was repeating, so she's been to UVM, so it's not as big of a deal that she's gone back for her third year. But how is Kate doing with her first year? So far, so good. Moving was uh, perfect. I mean, it went. I couldn't have wished for it to go better, and. Uh, I think she's pretty settled in. I, you know, don't think any homesickness. I don't think you had any of that either your first year. Did you like not very many calls back home or anything like no, that? No, it's funny. It's like she called me less her freshman year than she has in subsequent years. Hmm. So I think it was like she was just diving into the college thing and I'm, you know, weaning myself off mom and dad even though she, you know, she had pretty much done that by the time our senior year in high school was over but uh yeah no um well that's good news you know i hope uh, you meet a roommate and all of that jazz yeah yeah we did that um she seemed great and yeah i think they're off and running so um that's good that's good well you'll have to get down to san diego to visit her yeah i uh probably will try to do that so awesome so before we get uh, started here, I wanted to make a quick volley announcement. Uh, we've had volley going for about two years now, uh, yeah. but now CompTIA has a few other podcasts as well, and we've collected those together into a sort of podcast network. Everyone can see all of them on our landing page, uh, and I'll include that landing page in the show notes. So we have a few different ones around women and technology, around topics that our councils are exploring, uh, around emerging technology, which we talk about on here, but this, this podcast is very focused on that. So if anyone wants to check out those podcasts, again, check out the uh, landing page in the show notes, subscribe to those on whatever you subscribe with. Uh, and as part of this move, if anyone directly listens to us on SoundCloud, we will be moving to Blueberry for our hosting platform. Uh, and so future volleys and all of the old ones are on blueberry uh, and so if anyone's been pointing to soundcloud they'll just want to point there so a little bit of change it's kind of fun i'm excited to kind of see how these all work together uh, i'm i'm familiar with a few other sites and organizations that have podcast networks that really seem to complement each other um, so i expect that that's the, the route that we'll be going and we'll see how it goes yeah, no, it is exciting. It's good to have others in the fold joining us. So, right. Yes, and hopefully strengthen numbers, you know, but definitely folks out there, check some of these new podcasts out. Um, uh, there are very specific topics that hopefully will pique your interest. And uh, as Seth said, we'll be migrating over to Blueberry. So take note of that, too, if you uh, are listening to us on SoundCloud. So you have a new report coming out. It feels like it's been a while also since we've talked about a report. This, this happens sometimes that we just fall into a lull. Sometimes, you know, a report's coming out every month, and then every once in a while there's just a lull between the next one. And 
So I feel like we haven't talked about our research in a little while, um, mm. but I think your your report is going to get published before the next time we talk. So we thought it'd be a good time to give a quick preview of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We will be publishing before our next volley. Um, so, and I'm nearly done with uh, with this report, kind of in the the finishing touch phase. So it's a great time to talk about it. This is the seventh state of the channel report that we have done or I have done since um, I joined CompTIA. Uh, we were doing it as an annual uh, study. We've decided to make it um, every other year. And so last year we did not do one. Uh, so the last iteration was in 2016. And now we've got the 2018 version coming out. And basically this is a, a, a overview of what's going on in the channel today. It kind of takes the pulse of good, bad, or indifferent. And we try to look at different areas and trends that are going on. In particular, this year, we focused on some of the things the channel may or may not be doing around emerging technology. And hopefully we can talk about that, Seth, because you've done a lot of work with emerging tech this mm -hmm. year. And uh, we took a look at specialization around vertical markets, which is one of the things that is talked about a little bit more, I think. I mean, everyone in the channel tries to focus on some vertical usually and and the, and the data bears that out but there seems to be more urgency around it becoming an actual specialization as opposed to just an opportunistic area and uh, and so we've got some questions that we repeat every year so we can do some year over year type of um, status check and then as I said we've got the new questions around emerging tech and vertical markets and we took a look at some of the changes in the channel itself so newer types of partners that are emerging this um, I'm sure many of our listeners have heard us talk about and others this alternative channel whatever you want to call it but uh, the new group of companies around cloud um, building SaaS applications, selling SaaS applications, very uh, non-traditional types of partners that work in accounting firms or law firms. And these are companies that don't typically typically identify as channel companies, and I'm air quoting for those of you who can't see me, obviously. But they are, in, in effect, they are influencing the sale of technology into companies. So we took into account some of those newer partners into this study this year to get some um, some trends around them as well. So it, it's a you know it's it's a good look at the channel, and I think it was not. I think it's a good idea for us to do it every other year now because you um, you let two years go in between, and and things can change. Uh, I found when it was just annual, um, sometimes it was way too iterative, and not a lot was changing year over year. Yeah, so maybe uh, a good place to start is the last thing that you talked about with the different types of firms that we have, because I know you wrestled a lot with even what to call this study. We are trying to come up with terminology that's a little broader, that reflects all of these firms that are enabling and influencing technology. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't know that we've that we've hit on anything that's that's resonating a ton internally. We call it the business of technology. And I think we know what that means externally. I haven't seen a lot of descriptions that, that I think are, are catching on that, that describe this larger ecosystem. I, for a while there, there was this discussion about, well, the channel is dying out because of cloud models and because of other things and consolidation. And I think that that feeling has turned and people agree that there is this middle layer between vendors and end users that serves different purposes than maybe it did before but it's actually still very healthy and robust and probably growing. But the traditional channel that worked a lot with distribution and then maybe managed services 
that is is the part that's kind of uh, becoming just a, a piece of that larger middle tier. Um, mm-hmm. So what are what are your thoughts on that? Did you actually uh, reach out to those types of firms or did you mostly reach out to traditional firms and ask them for their feelings on these new types of firms? Yeah, it's more the latter, to be honest with you. Um, and I did, was it last year? I did a SaaS channel study where we specifically uh, sampled for companies that would fit more in this newer mold. So there's some good data there. Maybe we can put the link to that in the show notes to that particular study. This study uh, went to our, our usual sample of of channel firms. And I would say that, you know, even, you know, I don't have the breakdown, but I would say most of them fit into the more traditional mold, MSPs, a lot of managed service providers, a lot of traditional solution providers, and a lot of consultants. What we found, this is one of the trends in the channel, is what we found is there's been a shift toward pure consulting, both business and technical, among many in the channel who have gotten away from, instead of transitioning to a recurring revenue model and becoming an MSP, a lot of traditional resellers have stop selling products and being transactional in that way and they've moved into the consulting realm. So that's that that makes up a big piece of the ecosystem as well right now. But we got some good data on their perceptions of, you know, who their new competitors are, what other types of partners are out there today, and it confirms what we're, you know, anecdotally seeing is, you know, there are there are many different types of partners that maybe five years ago you wouldn't even have seen in the ecosystem. And um, you know, the number one one that the traditional channel is bumping into out there are those partners that are dealing uh, in the SaaS world. So they're working with ISVs to help them sell their applications, and then they're dealing with the management of those applications over the long haul, or they're just doing referrals. There's all kinds of business models for this the SaaS partner, per se. They're seeing digital marketing agencies, and we've been talking about that for some time here at CompTIA, that the marketers out there are um, becoming increasingly influential when it comes to um, the use of technology and the sale of technology, and you know, and they are seeing it's much smaller incidents. Uh, they're seeing these non-traditional types of partners that are literally from the professional services industry, and they're not technology companies at all. So law firms and accounting firms um, that are influencing the sale of a particular software package. Um, so that's definitely, we, I think what this does, the study really confirms that this trend is real, that there is a much broader ecosystem, whether or not these newer folks identify as channel or not, they're essentially performing the same function as many traditional channel channel partners. The one difference I would say is they are very application specific. This is not an infrastructure play for many of these folks. They're not selling hardware. They're not you know, implementing a, you know, a networking engagement for a customer. They're not doing that sort of thing. So what we'd like to see, and one of the things we asked about is whether or not the more traditional partner that does the infrastructure piece of the puzzle is partnering with these application-specific type of, of newer firms. And we did see that, yes, they are doing so, mostly on an opportunistic basis, basis right now, um, but many are projecting into the future that they want to um, be doing this on a more formalized basis. And I think it's a nice marriage, to be honest, is to have, it, you know, it keeps the infrastructure players relevant and it ties them to these newer application players who are kind of the hot thing on the market today, and they're able to work together in a complementary fashion and fill in skills gaps that you know that both of them have. So I think that's a good takeaway. Right. We've talked a lot about partnering over the past several years, uh, and I, I think our 
main message has been that the technology landscape is becoming more complex and it's going to be you know increasingly unlikely for a single solution provider to cover all of the bases right. you know especially these smaller ones that are dealing even with smaller clients and and the scope of of that work may not be as much as a mid-sized or a large company but still what they're trying to do and as they're beginning to try to use you know cloud applications and now that has to be integrated and you have to have security wrapping around the whole thing and it just it becomes more difficult even at the lower end of the scale and and so what you're describing is more of that partnering and more motivation and and driver for that that, that partnering happening did you look and see what people were feeling about partnering these days like peer to peer type of partnering yeah, for the most part, folks think it's, you know, who have done so, have done the P2P thing, have found it to be a, a positive experience for the most part. There are others, you know, a quarter of folks thought that, it, you know, it's it's a very good thing to do, but in, the, in theory, but it, it, it's difficult to attain. And, you know, I've been covering the channel for a gazillion years now, and we've often talked about P2P, not just this is a particular type we're talking about now, these newer channel players and infrastructure, but partnering a um, to fill in skills gaps has been something that's been talked about and practiced in the industry for, for years. But the general feeling has always been unless you formalize it and codify it and make sure there's accountability, um, these little handshake type of partnerships might work for one engagement, but then they fizzle and they don't work out. So I think that's, that is the, the key. That's the, that, that's the thing that these companies have to work out is if they're going to make this type of partnering arrangement work, it has to be a repeatable so you're doing this on a regular basis it has to be um there has to be accountability so who's responsible for what if you're dealing with one customer but you're both involved and it has to be formalized somehow so i you know i think that that's always been the trepidation about partnering by some firms um, but there are examples out there firms that have done this very successfully and i, I think given like you said the complexity and the number of and then the, just the range of things that are going on in technology today that really makes it almost impossible for one outfit to be able to do it all. I think the importance of partnering across different types of solution providers is going to become even more important today, you know, with emerging technology, for instance. I mean, one of the, the number one things from this study is that the fear about not having people with the right skills and not being able to find them and not being able to train them. And I mean, that that's one of the big negatives from the study is there's a lot of apprehension around being able to have the right people, the right skills to fill customer demand, and maybe partnering is is a way to alleviate that. Yeah, so let's talk about emerging technology a little bit since you brought it up. You mentioned that there's this apprehension around having the skills and being able to execute possibly, but looking at the data that you sent me, it doesn't look like that's stopping companies from believing that they're jumping into the space. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I phrase that a certain way because I look at some of the numbers you have around the, the number of firms that say that they have like emerging technology at production level. Mm -hmm. And uh, it seems a little suspicious to me, I'll say, um, based on what I see on the end user side. I, I think even the discussions that we have at events that we go to, and this isn't totally unusual, right? When we ask companies, where are you with any given technology? I think we typically see a little bit of aspiration, a little yeah. bit of, you know, maybe wishing that they could be there or 
you know, the other thing that you, I don't think you did ask in, in the study here is, you know, are you making money on it? So yeah, you've got it in your portfolio. You know, your vendor has given you something that's, you know, got this label slapped on it and, and you put it in there, but no one's really buying it and maybe you couldn't support it perfectly. So maybe they would call that being in production. But what's what's your take on where channel firms really are with emerging technology? And I guess we should define the emerging technology because I think that could be clouding the matter too. When we talk about it, I think we're not talking about cloud computing. We're not talking about mobility we're probably talking about IoT and then we're talking about things that would kind of come beyond that on the timeline. So things like artificial intelligence or augmented reality or blockchain solutions, you know, those those types of things. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I, I 100% agree that that seemed slightly suspect that that many, um, it was more than half just or just over half of the respondents to the survey said that they were in production mode with emerging technologies, which as we defined it meant they were actually selling it to customers. And I think as we see on every study, when we ask people to self-evaluate, that they tend to be more aspirational and, 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 and more positive than maybe the reality speaks. Or maybe they had one customer, customer engagement with a particular emerging tech and then they were able to check the box that they're in production mode. It doesn't mean they're making any money. It means they did it once, and and that's that. And so I think that's human nature, and we see that a lot. And I certainly um, write about that in the report as as a, as a caveat. One of the more detailed questions we asked was was to ask about their familiarity familiarity. Thank you, uh, with individual emerging technologies. So, and then we had a laundry list of them, like you said, some of the ones you mentioned, AI, augmented reality, biometrics, blockchain, drones, internet of things. So here I think it gets a little more granular and you get a better understanding of where people sit with their knowledge and familiarity with uh, these various things. And it's really, it's about a third of the respondents who said that they had significant knowledge with all of all of these technologies that we list. Um, the bulk of folks, more like four and 10, pushing to a half, said they had some knowledge and familiarity. So that should tell you something. And then another third, for the most part, two and 10 to a third, said they had insignificant knowledge. So I think that tells you something, that even though they may say they're in production mode, for the most part, most of these folks are still getting up to speed on a lot of these technologies. I would say the only one that stands out is Internet of Things. Uh, people seem to be much more on the go with that, and that makes sense because it's been around longer. We've been talking about it. We've done multiple studies on it. Um, so it, it may even fall off the emerging tech ledger pretty soon. You know, we always talk about that, Seth, you and I. It's like, when does an emerging tech then not become an emer- not be an emerging tech anymore? I think we put cloud in that bucket. I think in another year or so, we could put IoT in that bucket as well. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, we still don't see tons and tons of adoption of IoT among end users, um, but we're going to review that uh, data again this fall. And we'll get another look at it, and we'll see if that's starting to change. Uh, IoT, as you know, is very broad. And so I think there are certainly aspects of IoT that are becoming more established, and there are other aspects that are still a little more cutting edge. But the rank order that you have that you got out of your channel study looks like the rank order from the end user study. And so that's definitely telling us something, that we've got you know IoT on the top, 
We've got, you know, something that gets talked about a lot, like maybe drones. And there are definitely some segments of the market that are hugely into drones and they're finding new uses for it and they're exploring new business opportunities. And that's a real thing. But if you back up and look at the entire business landscape, it's not making quite as much of an impact. Um, And so I think all of this really helps level set the conversation, which is really what we're all about between our councils and our communities and the content we're producing and everything that we're trying to do around emerging technology. It's not so much training and saying this thing is happening now and you've got to get the skills and you've got to build up to it or else you're going to miss out. It's more education and having the discussion and making sure that you're ready for when customers come in and start saying, you know, here's the thing that I want. Because I I think I've mentioned this before, but customers aren't going to want to go on the journey with their solution provider. They're going to expect the solution provider to be ahead of them and and helping them come along with it. Um, And so I think that all the discussion that we're having is hugely valuable. But I think over the past year, with a lot of the emerging technology that we've looked at, the reality is that it's not here today. It's not making tons of money. Some of it is still maybe a little suspect about whether it will actually ever catch on or not. And, And that's another thing that we want to keep an eye on in these discussions. So it'll be interesting to see as we continue forward with the emerging tech community we have, and as we continue forward with research and various aspects of emerging tech, exactly how the picture is shaping up. Yeah, you know, you raise a really important point, which um, really permeated the entire study is customer demand as is the primary driver for almost all of the all of the things we asked about. So why are you getting into emerging tech? Why are you selling it? Customer demand, number one reason. Why are you deciding to specialize in a vertical industry? Customer demand. It's driving everything. Now, that's, it sounds good on paper, but what it says to me in reality is customers are ahead of the curve above their, their solution providers. And it's like the, the solution provider isn't out selling and pushing a particular solution. They're being dragged into it by their end customers and i think that that reflects perhaps a little bit of a little bit of a defect in 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 sales and marketing and being ahead of what is going on in the industry and I, you know i don't mean to be, be completely negative about it but i think if it's if it's if your customers are the ones that are always dragging you into new areas or pulling you into new areas you, you you're not forward thinking there's something that the, the, that's not the way it should be you should be bringing the customers in um, so that's one thing I wanted to highlight as something that struck me and as I and, I, and I've, I've seen this in other other studies that I've done is that it just seems to be in reverse order if you really want to be cutting edge you should be the one that's introducing something new and uh, to the customer and not them you know coming to you about it right you know this kind of gets to the white paper that I wrote earlier this year about this balance between tactical IT and strategic IT that for a long time, you know, most end users, the channel, everyone was kind of operating this tactical IT mindset where the IT is kind of viewed as a cost center. You're trying to deliver product and, and service into that. You're you're supporting the needs of the business rather than driving things. And now we see this shift to strategic IT where technology is more of a primary driver. Uh, And I think that that shift 
is what dictates, okay, what does a channel firm look like and what do they do? This whole middle tier between vendors and end users, what are the responsibilities there? And you had mentioned earlier that you see a shift into consulting, which I think makes a lot of sense, right? That as, as it's trying to be more strategic, there has to be more of that consulting or educational or whatever, instead of just the pure delivery of product uh, right. and then you know ongoing services to maintain that product. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And, and we've been seeing that move into consulting either as a, becoming a pure consultant, some, some resellers are doing that, or just making sure that that's a big part of the practice overall for some time now. And I think it's a natural progression for a lot of these firms to move away because just simply being a fulfillment partner is going to be, it will never go away. There will always be companies that need that service, um, but it is going to, in the cloud-based world, it's, it's less and less relevant to the marketplace uh, you know customers are self-provisioning their own applications over the you know over the internet and they don't necessarily need somebody in there selling them software licenses and and, and all of that but they might need somebody to come in and help them vet which which application that there is going to work best for their com- for their company need and they don't have the time or the wherewithal or the skills to understand what is the best, but that's where the consultant comes in and is able to say, hey, here's a menu. of I've pared it down from 100 applications that are, work in your industry to, to 10, and I would make – and I'm rank ordering them for you right now. And, and so I think we're going to continue to see consulting as one of the prominent business models among channel companies going forward. So – as we wrap up here, the last thing that I wanted to get your thoughts on was moving into vertical markets. You you had mentioned earlier that that's one of the main themes that's running through this and one of the big things that you asked about. And I, I saw that vertical selling is a big deal for a lot of firms. And I'm kind of wondering, I know that this is the type of thing that we don't always get into with our surveys because we we touch on a lot of things and we don't necessarily get to go deep, but I'm kind of wondering how many companies are selling into something specialized like a dentist office or a law firm or accounting or whatever, but they maybe don't have specialized offerings for that. You know, they don't necessarily understand like the regulatory environment or or whatever, but they are selling into these verticals a little bit more as the verticals are becoming more digitized. Uh, do, do you think that that might be the case or what do you, what do you think is happening in this? Yeah, space? no, you, you're totally right. So, um, so the way I think about this is there are lots of solution providers who may have found a bit of a niche in some particular vertical, but what they're doing is simply selling the same sort of horizontal infrastructure solutions that they would sell to any other type of customer. It just so happens that they've got quite a few dentist office in their, you know, in their customer portfolio. And, but they're selling them, you know, desktops and servers and devices and networking, and they're doing basic horizontal work for them, or they're becoming their managed service provider. That's very different than becoming a real vertical industry specialist where you have you have the industry expertise, you understand very specific applications that pertain to that industry, uh, whether it's healthcare or retail or manufacturing, um, and, and you basically are making that your business model is be the de facto expert in whatever industry this. Those are two very different things, but respondents to this survey would could check that they sell the verticals simply because they're doing what I said formerly, that they sell the horizontal solutions into a cluster of similar industry types of companies. We did find, so when we asked, we asked the question about, you know, how important is vertical work to you? 
you know, and, and three quarters said it was important and or very important. But when you break that down, the it was four in ten, so forty percent who said that it was very important. And I would put I would say that group is the group that probably prioritizes vertical work and is doing the deep dive into it where they really understand the ex- the applications expertise they really understand how these you know what's important to these particular companies in this industry and how to apply that so i think yes the number of firms that will say they do a lot of vertical work and that it's important to them is high the number who are doing this true vertical industry specialization is probably a lot lower and that's where the money is. I mean, I think that that's the direction that we want to see some firms go to because vendors can't do that. You know, they need help on the partner front to get as granular as some of these vertical industries need them to be. And the vendors simply can't do that. So they, they need the feet on the street that know how to do it. And so I think we're going to continue to see more channel firms, at least the savvy, smart ones uh, who want to figure out how to differentiate, get into that real level of vertical work as opposed to just selling into the type of companies that uh, that look the same. Right. Yeah. None of this is to cast aspersions and say, well, you, you think you're selling into a vertical, but you're really not, you know, vertically specialized or whatever. It, uh-huh. it, it's primarily to highlight opportunity and to have that discussion. I think the reason people like this study or types of this study is to understand where the opportunities are. And I think to understand the opportunities, you do have to take a good look at yourself and and your company and say, am I really understanding cloud opportunities? Uh, Am I really understanding what it is to work with a vertical? Am I really understanding partnering? I, I think there's a whole spectrum of things and I think that people will find opportunity wherever they are. You know, people are still going to be selling hardware, even if that's a declining business. They're still going to be doing break fix. They're still going to be working with a wide range of companies and maybe not necessarily needing to specialize. But if they want to talk about opportunity and growth, there has to be some self-assessment and some understanding of where the market is going and a reality check of, you know, what will it take to get there if I want to take part in this opportunity? Right. Couldn't agree more. So, you know, for more on this, (laughs) more specifics, uh, the study will be published the week of September 18th. And so uh, it, we are opening this up. Usually we put a gate around this to only our premier members, but we've made a decision this year to open this study up to the masses. Um, so we'll, in a couple of weeks, go to comtia.org and, and hopefully you can take a peek at the study. But uh, there's a lot of more, a lot more detail than Seth and I have touched upon here today. Uh, but I think it's a good level set for uh, what's going on in the channel. All right. Well, we will look forward to that. And I'm sure it's going to get a lot of interest. I'm sure you'll be doing all kinds of uh, post-promotional work with this one, as you usually do. Yeah, a lot of media calls, right? But, uh, good times. Good times. All right. Well, hopefully good times this weekend. Get out there and enjoy the fall weather. You said winter weather before. I hope we're, well, we're, we're not I'm, rushing right into that. But, oh, uh, I don't know. No, it's just the, uh, the juxtaposition. The drastic is- change. <laughs> Yeah, the mat, it, yeah, it was a thirty something degree change in in the weather. It's certainly not winter yet, but but I will. I hope to have a good weekend, and I hope you do too. Yeah, thank you, and uh, I will talk to you next time. Sounds good. Bye bye.